You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flung. And we are here heading into week 17 of the NFL regular season. The Giants right now sit at 5-10. and 10. They are tied for the 7th overall pick with the Buffalo Bills, who have the same strength of schedule, which is the tiebreaker. But right now, there are 5 teams with a 5-10 and 10 record heading into the last week of the regular season. There are another four teams that stand at six and nine. There are three teams at four and 11. Uh, So the Giants could conceivably pick anywhere from like inside the top five to like 13th. So there is a big swing that could go depending on what the Giants and many other teams do during the last week of the regular season. Right now, Football Outsiders has the Giants with a 6.1% chance of getting into the top five. Those are the eighth highest odds. Right now, Arizona, San Francisco, and the Jets are 100% in the top five. Oakland is 91.4%. Then you get to Detroit at 66.9%. So that's the likely top five. And then Tampa Bay at 21.1%. Buffalo at 8.3%. Then you get to the Giants. So that's where the Giants sit right now, heading into the last game of the regular season. So what we are going to do today, because we're kind of in between holidays and we're not going to go into our usual positional breakdowns, we're going to save that now until after the regular season. Now we'll have a little more time to get into the draft. So what we're going to do is we ask you guys for mailbag questions and we're just going to do a, a quick mailbag episode. We got a lot of really good questions. So thank you guys who emailed them, posted on Big Blue View, sent some through Twitter. Uh, we got some from all of those places. So we are going to just get into those questions. So are you ready to dive in, Chris? Oh, absolutely. And thanks to everybody who responded to our call for questions. Yeah, yeah, really good response here. So, uh, And I think we got some some pretty good questions that have some interesting discussions that we can get into. So let's just get to the first one then. This is a question from Ron Sturger. Um so the first question is, if the Giants could get two number ones and two lower round draft choices, would you consider trading OBJ given the performance of our other receivers? So I'm not sure what the second part of that question is supposed to be saying. Is that Does that mean the other receivers have been good? Which I don't totally know if that's been the case. Uh, but either way, no. Yeah, just straight no. The... Last game, especially the first half, the Giants were able to scheme around not having Odell. But just imagine how much better they would have played if instead of Cody Lattimore or 
Benny Fowler or Corey Coleman, you had Odell Beckham out there drawing coverage, commanding those double teams. How much more open would Sterling Shepard or Evan Ingram have been? And then if they managed to get Odell, those one-on-ones, just the Giants are a better team with him on the field. And I'm not sure even two ones could have that kind of impact. Yeah, Beckham is easily the best player on the Giants right now. I'm not sure if that's a controversial opinion or if some people would would try to say someone else, but I don't think anyone else has that title right now. I think Beckham is, is the best player, and I think whatever the quarterback situation going forward is going to be, and <laughs> there are questions about that, uh, surprisingly, right? But I think whatever the quarterback situation is going to be going forward, Beckham makes that job easier than anyone else on the field. And you need that. I, I don't think trading him, I think we saw what that offense looks like without him. And it's it's not good. So we just keep him. I, I think we've already spent too much time uh, talking about this also. Yep. So Beckham, no, you're not trading him. Moving on. <laughs> okay. So this is a question from John Scott. said, I love the pick of Saquon Barkley last year, although immediately I fell into the belief that the Giants had a playoff caliber roster going into 2018. Uh, I'm sorry you fell for that, John. Not your fault, though. The coaches, the the GMs, all the, all the executives, they tried to push that as hard as they could. So the question is, in hindsight, trading the number two pick might have been a better way to build a team that could be headed for the postseason. Now entering 2019, the number of holes to plug across this roster feels more apparent. Do you think Dave Gettleman would be wise this time to trade back and accumulate more picks? Or is he more likely to use his top 10 selection on another gold jacket player? Uh, Dave Gettleman is not trading back. He's going to stick to his board. He's going to pick whoever is the highest graded player on his board regardless of the position, regardless of what kind of depth they already have at that position on the team. He has never done anything but that. So we have absolutely no track record to say that he will trade back. Right. So the answer to these two questions are yes and yes. Do you think Dave Gettleman would be wise (laughs) this time to trade back and accumulate more picks? Yes. Is he more likely to use his Hobson selection on another gold jacket player? Yes, that's just, it's how he drafts. And I think when you do look, I I still, I said it at the time, I have continued to say it throughout the season, trading number two last year made the most sense for this team. Accumulating more picks, you could still have gotten a highly rated prospect, uh, depending on how far you traded back. Uh, that, that, That was the way to go. I think that should be the way to go again here but i think he's going to he's going to stand pat and and take probably whatever his highest graded a player is because that's just who he is yeah that's that's what he does reminder that dave gettleman has never traded back in a draft never in any round not just in the first round in any round dave gettleman has never traded back dave gettleman learned gming from the same guy Jerry Reese did, and Gettleman is the old school version. So, uh, yeah. So, th- I mean, that's going to be a topic we're going to talk about probably a lot as we get closer <clears throat> to the draft of, of what this draft strategy is going to be. And that that question, those two questions, are are going to be a big part of it. 
So the next question is kind of in the same vein, and this is possibly the, the first time we're going to bring up quarterbacks here. So this is from Gerald Grinnell. A philosophy of best available is the best unless you're missing the players of need that are minimum requirement for success. Shouldn't the Giants forget wasting a high pick for a QB who isn't ready to contribute right away until they have secured the elements of a solid O-line or D-line, which will make him and the whole team successful? So there are some layers to that. Part of that is true, and sure, that is... So that's kind of what the Cleveland Browns did, but... Cleveland did not just pass on quarterbacks and take the best available players. They continually traded back. They got multiple future first-round picks. So that got them players like Miles Garrett, got them players like Denzel Ward, uh, got them players like Larry... Uh, Ogunjobi. Yep, yeah. I was really struggling to pronounce his name <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, it, it got them good players like that. And then there was something for Baker Mayfield to come into and they happen to just draft the right quarterback and Baker Mayfield is very good but what the Giants did and staying at number two and taking a running back that didn't put them in a position to continually build around what is going to be the quarterback and I think that's a big difference uh, between a team like the Browns and then what a team like the Giants are doing but I think if you put a better quarterback in this position and then you have pieces like Beckham and and Barkley around him I think that will pay dividends probably immediately because you just you have improvement at that position yeah now I think the first layer of the, this question is is there a quarterback there who will be worth a high round draft pick we don't know whether or not Dwayne Haskins will declare for the draft we don't know whether or not Daniel Jones will declare for the draft. And I'm just listing him as somebody who's going to be considered a high round draft pick. I know you are already not a fan of his. Now is Drew Locke worth a high round draft pick is Will Greer worth a high round draft pick. So deciding whether or not those guys are even worth a probably top 10 draft pick. I think it's the first thing, the first layer we have to go through. And then the other elements, uh, there will be a whole off-season process for uh, continuing to work on the offensive line and defensive front. Yeah, I don't know how much the offensive line is going to figure into their draft plans. They'll probably make a very strong run at Carolina right tackle Daryl Williams because, well, he's he fits in a team need and he's one of Gettleman's guys. But I do agree that having an environment in which a quarterback can be successful is a good prerequisite because just drafting a quarterback isn't going to fix all that ails you. Right, but at the same time, the Giants they kind of had that in place already. And when you think of you know, what you would look for in receivers, you have oh, you have Odell definitely Beckham. at the skill position. Yeah, you have Odell Beckham. You have a, a reliable slot guy who can also play outside and Sterling Shepard you have who should be a mismatch a tight end in Evan Ingram those pieces were already there and I think a lot of quarterbacks in the league would would love to have those three skill position players as they go under center so I think the Giants kind of already had that and I don't think if the Giants had put a rookie quarterback behind the starting version of this year's offensive line 
Yeah, I, I don't think that would have been a terrible thing that derailed either the quarterback or the offense. I, I think there, there would have been continued room to grow. Um, so I think the Giants had enough of those pieces in place. And now you're just getting, getting to a point where you have to start thinking about the quarterback. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you can continue to put pieces in place all you want, but at some point you have to turn to the quarterback. Uh, and I think the Giants should be in that position now. I mean, the problem is wondering if that aligns with, with the value of either who is there or what the Giants are going to be looking for. And that's going to be a completely a different conversation. Exactly. Last year, it made more. It made sense to get the quarterback. They didn't. This year, you have to wonder whether or not the value is there or if even at any value, the just the guy is there. Yeah. So we'll go to the next question, which kind of now puts a, a different spin on the quarterback. So this question is from Jason Roach. On the case, Giants don't go quarterback in the first. Um, do you think it would be a good idea to draft a late-round developmental quarterback like Tyree Jackson and use in the same mold as the New Orleans Saints do? <clears throat> I think there's a couple of layers to that question. In terms of what the Saints do... I mean, Taysom Hill is not really a developmental quarterback for the Saints. And he's really not even the backup. That's Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy Bridgewater is going to start week 17. So there, there are some packages for Taysom Hill, but I, I don't think he's considered a future a part of the quarterback position for New Orleans. I think they have some wrinkles for him and he's able to throw the ball and he can run well. So I think there's a difference there. Now, I was on record last year. I would have been in favor of drafting Lamar Jackson, installing some packages for him, uh, maybe a little better than the Ravens did in the beginning of the year this year. But I, I would have been in favor of that. And, so, and I, I'm not sure there's anyone really in this draft class that would, that would warrant that type of scheming. Because the thing with Jackson, it's not that you were just going to create packages for him. It was that you were going to get him on the field to start developing into what should be a quarterback. And, and now he's playing relatively well now. If we go into him specifically, Tyree Jackson is kind of Josh Allen if we thought of where Josh Allen should have been drafted. He's a guy who's going to throw very deep. He's not going to be consistently accurate. He was only he was only on target, so this is per Sports Info Solutions, on 68.6% of his pass attempts. So of like the top 11 guys I, I have right here, that is the lowest. He's the only guy below 70%. Um, he's one of four below 75%. So he is not a very accurate passer, but he's someone who can run around. He's got an arm so he can throw deep. But, I mean, he's, he's Josh Allen where Josh Allen should have been drafted. And for him in particular, that's fair. I think for the Giants, getting a late-round developmental quarterback will be the route they go this year. Now, whether or not they put together packages to get him on the field, maybe if they get like uh, McSorley out of Penn State, that's a way they could go with him. But I think it's more likely they wind up with basically another Kyle Loletta, a guy they get who maybe they had graded in the third round, who slips to the fourth round, and they just let him battle with Loletta for a year. And then if they still need a quarterback, they look at it very seriously in 2020. 
Tyree Jackson in particular, he has popped up on the transfer portal, so he could be looking to transfer for uh, one more year of eligibility. Right, so yeah, him in particular, we're not sure if he's actually going to come out or if he's going to transfer from Buffalo. But just in terms of, of the developmental quarterbacks, and I, I said this in one of our, our previous episodes, I, I'm in favor of drafting someone, I mean, maybe even every year if you're going to go that route. The problem with the developmental guys is when you are drafting someone in, in the third or fourth or fifth, whose talent level brings them to the third or fourth or fifth, rarely are you going to get those guys to develop into what you need in the NFL. The guys who work out are, are the guys who have the talent and probably also the production to be drafted higher. But there's, there's something else that makes evaluators you know, push them down draft boards. Like, Russell with, Wilson was a successful third-round pick, but he was drafted in the third round because of his size. He was probably a first-round talent. Um, he was a I very ha- good quarterback. but he was, In two different schools. Yes. And he was he was drafted in the third round because he's tiny. Yeah. And if you have a well, dumb reason short. like that. Yeah, right. Sorry. Short for an NFL quarterback. <laughs> relatively a tiny when you compare him yeah. to... Tyree Jackson. Right. (laughs) So, like, I I said someone, like, again, before his injury, Mackenzie Milton is someone who was a very good and very successful quarterback who was probably going to be in the mid-rounds because he's small. You can see that if if Kyler Murray comes out and he falls to, like, the second round because he's small or because he might play baseball, that's something you do. In in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds, in those mid-round for those developmental prospects— I think you want to try to find some inefficiency there. You don't just want to look at someone who has a third, fourth, or fifth round grade. Those aren't the type of players that are going to help you. Exactly. You look for guys who have the physical tools, who have the intangible elements, work ethic, leadership skills, those sorts of things, but have some kind of wart that for some reason scouts got hung up on you know like with russell wilson his size dak prescott although he's not in anywhere near the same category as russell wilson but he got pegged as a running quarterback so he slipped and scouts didn't really pay attention to the fact that his passing did improve every year and he does have that work ethic and leadership you don't want to just draft a quarterback in the third in the third fourth fifth wherever who have that kind of a grade and that talent level because then you're just going to be getting a player who has maybe a 10 percent chance of panning out yeah that's exactly right so if we go on to the next question uh which i think is going to be uh, really our our last one looking at quarterback so this is from dancing elephants on in the in the big blue view comments is the transition from the ohio state offense to the pros actually a challenge or has urban meyer never had a pro caliber qbs run his offense um haskin throws a bunch of mesh concepts how much does Shermer use mesh to scheme guys open the second question is not enough that's <laughs> something that we looked at like before this season and we thought he would use that concept a bunch and that hasn't really been the case 
yet this year. And I think they, they should use it more. Absolutely. Mesh is a great concept. It's a man beater and a zone beater, which is pretty rare. Usually a route concepts are usually one or the other. And they run it a little bit more in the second half, which as the offense has gotten a little bit more diverse, uh, they don't always run it particularly well, which we have seen, but they do have really good players to run that concept. Now, as for the Ohio State offense, it shouldn't be a barrier to success in the NFL. We've seen Pat Mahomes have an absolutely ridiculous season coming out of Texas Tech's offense. Baker Mayfield came out of Oklahoma's spread option air raid offense, and he has been great. Goff out in Los Angeles has been great, and the spread is in the NFL. But therein lies the rub. It isn't everywhere in the NFL, and I think it comes down to what the coaching philosophy that the quarterback lands in. If it's a spread quarterback and he lands in, say, the Tom Coughlin offense, I don't think he's going to have success. Right. Yeah. I I think we're at a stage where that shouldn't matter. Taking spread quarterbacks and putting them into pro style, and I I don't even know what pro style means anymore. If it means under center and and like 12 personnel, nobody runs that. No NFL teams run that anymore. No. And if if you want to to know if you can transfer, Jared Goff played like 99% of his snaps in shotgun at Cal, and now he's like the only quarterback who plays more than 50 percent of his snaps under center so the, the transition there it's just it's not as big as it used to be we're continually seeing nfl teams steal college concepts one because they work two because it's making the transition easier for these younger quarterbacks um so, so they can win while they're cheap uh, right yeah exactly so so I, I don't think the transition from from college to pro and the schemes is really that big, and it should not be a detriment in how you view these quarterbacks. No, not at all. And the only limitation is basically on the team and the coach, not the quarterback. If the coach is willing to incorporate college concepts, then it's not a barrier at all. If the coach is wants to be stubbornly old school and play football like it's the 1980s still, then it will be. Exactly. So let's move on to the next question. This is from Charlie Koofs. Cuffs. I'm sorry. Sorry for all pronunciations in this podcast. Um, so his question is, this draft has quite a few good defensive prospects. Do you think the Giants will draft into the strength of this class in the first round or go after the best OT in the draft, maybe Jonah Williams, knowing they can get a good defensive player later. That is, I mean, that's that's yeah. a good question. Do do you dive in question. early and get the top of a good position, or or do you go more for a position of need and try to get something a little later, but still probably good quality that would be better quality in say last year's draft where there weren't as many good edge players. So some of these guys that are going to be falling into the second round probably would have gone in the first regarding the edge class last year. I mean, that's... I I, that's a question point. we're going to be digging into a ton. Yeah. I, I would say go with who's at the top of your board. If you have two guys who are equally well-graded, 
get the one who fills the position of need. Although in this case, both of those are positions of need. So from there, the tiebreaker would be, I suppose, go for the one that is the more premium position on the free agent market, which again, left tackle or edge rusher, they're both equally expensive. But if Jonah Williams is, you have him rated higher than say, Clellan Farrell, then you get Jonah Williams because you never know where the run on talent is going to go. I go back to 2013. I don't think anybody saw, what was it? Nine offensive linemen going in the first round. If you've got a guy there who is clearly a better prospect or just definitively higher, more highly rated by your scouts, then that's, I think, where you have to go. Yeah, it's just, it, yeah, it's go, I think it's going to come down to how they evaluate those specific players in that situation rather exactly. than the position. I think it also depends on, on where they're drafting, what's going to happen around it and, and leading up to it. And remember, free agency is going to play a big part in this too because the big free agent signings happen before the draft. So maybe the Giants have you know another tackle or they have another edge player that they get before, before they get into the draft and that, that changes what they need to look oh definitely let's let's move on to the next question then is from uk fan seven eight six five do you think gettleman has stockpiled the lower round draft picks to be aggressive in the earlier rounds or is it because he has a confidence in his ability to find talent in the lower rounds and appreciates the scale of the rebuild needed so i'm going to say that's probably a little bit of both i think gettleman does have confidence in his ability to find talent in the lower rounds I'm not sure if he should, but that's not necessarily a knock on Gettleman. I don't think anyone should be that confident in their ability to find talent in the lower rounds because it's just, it's not consistent from year to year, like for anyone. So they have the the extra fourth and fifths. They have an extra seventh. I, I think the problem with being aggressive in the earlier rounds and using those picks is you you don't really move up in like the first and second by using fourth and fifths. The problem is you you use future seconds, you use future thirds, and so you you don't really move up and get aggressive early in the draft with with fourths and fifths. What you can do though, uh, and I'm not sure if if the, this is something the Giants are going to do, but this is something I've written about and what one of the biggest market inefficiencies in the NFL is right now uh, is using the fourths and fifths and trading for veteran players. You trade for someone who's fallen out of favor with some team, uh, and it's someone you you know is good. You know what their production is going to be, and that's a way better use of a fifth-round pick uh, than throwing uh, a dart at the dartboard uh, and hoping a fifth-round rookie hits. Absolutely. Yeah. With regards to the question, I think Gettleman stockpiled day three picks because of just confidence in his own ability to strike gold and come up with if not starters then major role players and i like you said i wouldn't be confident in that the success rate just league wide in those rounds is low very low uh usually in single digit percentage like tops once you get get out of round three it tops out at like eight or nine percent and the seventh round is statistically insignificant it 
usually comes out as about 0% success rate. But I absolutely agree with you when it comes to turning those late round picks into proven or at least mostly proven established players. I would be absolutely in favor of the Giants trading for Daniel Buchanan and Hassan Reddick, two guys who were, you know, Reddick was drafted for James Betcher's defense. He fills a need for pass rusher. Buchanan was the money backer. He would fill a huge need in the middle of the Giants defense. He has already had success with this coordinator in this scheme. And the Giants have had success trading late round picks for players before. They Brad Wing was, he got expensive, but he was a good punter. He was a seventh round pick. Ross Cockrell was their best cornerback last year. He was had for a seventh round pick. And Riley Dixon has turned out to be a great find as a punter. And he was a seventh round pick or traded. They traded a seventh round pick for him. That I think is the real value of day three picks. Yeah, and I think you see it across the league. It doesn't have to be Giants-specific. And you can add impact players with those type of picks. Like, the the Eagles traded, like, a fifth-round pick and a wide receiver that's already been released for Michael Bennett, who has been one of the league's best pass rushers this year. So you have to have the cap space to take on some of those players. But that's something that can easily be worked around. But when you can get someone like Michael Bennett... Uh, for for a fifth, like that's that's ridiculous. You you're not getting someone of Michael Bennett's talent in the fifth round in the upcoming draft, and and those are the type of trades because trade value in the NFL is so freaking weird. You can get players of that caliber. I, I think the Giants should try to be aggressive there, especially if they're still in the position where they're thinking that with Eli Manning under center, they can build around the roster and have a competitive team. So I think that is. That's a better way to to go about using the excess late round picks. And also the other side of that is if you were drafting, I think they've got, what, eight day three picks. Those are eight players who have to be developed. Those are young guys who have warts. They have, there are reasons why they are not third or second round picks. So that's time your coaches have to spend getting those guys up to speed, getting them to learn how to play in the NFL at the NFL speed. And they might never pan out. So that's a lot of sunk cost in development that could be going towards polishing up other players or working on scheme, adding wrinkles, that sort of thing. So if you're bringing in young veterans who for for whatever reason don't fit with their other team, there's an opportunity cost that comes with the coaching and development side of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you just, it's hard to consistently hit on, on players in the draft in, in that range. So I think you should either trade those four veteran players or keep all of them. And you just take multiple shots at that position. Uh, I think you know, just in terms of, of trading up in the draft, that that's not something I suggest. Because then again, it's it's trusting yourself too much that you have a target that you know is going to hit, and that just is not the case. I think the only thing you should trade up for is a quarterback. And if you're just like trading up in the third round for a guy you think is going to be good, that is very dangerous. More often than not, that goes wrong. 
that goes wrong way more often than it goes right. Yeah, that's... I think that about covers it. All right, so we'll move on to the next question is from Anthony Treglia on Twitter. Uh, who are some wide receivers you guys like on day two? This only asks someone in day two, but we'll add day three here. Because remember, the, the Giants only have a second-round pick on, on day two. The, the third-round pick was already used on Sam Beal, uh, which I'm going to say is still a good pick. And getting someone of Sam Beal's caliber uh, in the third round uh, is, is good. So uh, we'll say day two, day three, guys. Um, and then he continues with, we need a guy with some size to complement Odell and Shep. I- I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with that part. I think I would rather have someone who can consistently get open vertically down the field uh, and get some separation uh, than someone who is just tall and can, I I don't know. I don't know what tall receivers really do when they don't have any other skills. Um, And, you know, I think we see that with Kelvin Benjamin, who was a Dave Gettleman draft pick. uh, And now I am very scared about talking about wide receivers. (laughs) Oh, don't forget uh, Funchess as well. Yeah, but Funchess has been useful. Um, I think he's able to separate more uh, and contributes more to an offense than yeah. Kelvin Benjamin, who is just is just a gigantic human being and has really <laughs> no other skill. Yeah, I and I would say that's it. Uh, separation is the name of the game. Can you get open? And you know, a big receiver can do it with his size. He can use his frame and his catch radius to be open even when he's covered. But he has to know how to do that smaller guys like Odell and Shepard, they play way bigger than their, than their listed size because they have 40-inch verticals. You see that one reception Shepard made over the middle where he was playing like he was about 6'5". And he high-pointed high that ball like guys 6'2", 6'3", might not be able to because he's able to create separation out of his route running, and then expand the catch radius with his vertical. But moving on to maybe later round wide receivers, I will probably always be in favor of the Giants drafting uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown out of Oklahoma. He's the opposite of what the questions ask for. He's a little receiver. He's only 5'10", 160, but he is probably the most exciting receiver in college with the ball in his hand. He's a guy he can take that mesh concept and turn it into an 80 yard touchdown because he just plays at a different speed than everybody else on the field. Uh, I would say maybe a guy like Brian Edwards from South Carolina. He's been productive. He's got a, a little bit more of size, but he can get open. Uh, Denzel Mims from Baylor, I mentioned him in the uh, bowl game preview that Baylor receiver, not great route running, but he's got a good catch radius and he does have the speed to kind of take the top off of the defense. And one other one who is real interesting to me is Jalen Hurd, who if you, if that name sounds familiar, it's because he was the running back for Tennessee a couple years ago, and he was a big running back, like 6'3", 230, 240, something like that. Really, really athletic, really good hands. He transferred to Baylor, which 
with everything that's going around going on around Baylor, kind of an interesting decision, but I guess he wanted to transfer, and that's where he was able to go. And he transitioned to wide receiver. He's able to put those hands to use and background as a running back, he can pick up yards after the catch, and he's still big and fast. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of good names, and so we haven't gotten into our wide receiver breakdowns yet. Uh, we have not gotten to them as part of the positional previews we've done. Uh, so I'm going to be honest, I haven't really looked at wide receivers specifically, but that usually is a position I get pretty deep into. Um, so every year I put together a metric uh, I've called target yards added, which basically separates uh, wide receivers. Uh, yards per target from their quarterbacks and I think it's a it's a pretty good stat for for college it it doesn't matter it's not really a great stat for NFL receivers uh, but in college because quarterbacks are so different and schemes are so different when you can kind of isolate what a receiver added to that offense I I think it's been good at singling out some guys who were at the top of the list who were kind of overlooked and are going to be those those mid-round values and I think it's also good for for players and to set like a, a baseline and a cutoff for guys who, who don't get over a certain number where where you start to see flags and like Laquan Treadwell was a guy who had a, a red flag of someone who did not add a lot to an offense he went in the first round and he's he's not someone who has really contributed at the NFL level right now so uh, that is definitely something we are going to dig into more as as we get further uh, down the process so we got I think two questions left um, let's get to this one from Dan Cotton. Uh, it seems as if the Giants have been stuck in linebacker hell, and it really bothers me to have such poor play at the position for the last number of years. And a league that now focuses heavily on pass-catching tight ends, coverage-capable linebackers are game-changers. Uh, can you please preview the top linebacker prospects and maybe set up a best player available scenario to see Big Blue finally grab an exciting player at the position? So yeah, a lot going on there. Uh, off-ball linebacker has not been... Uh, a position we've done the the preview on yet, and and it will be. But you are correct on a number of points there. Um, there are a lot of pass catching tight ends, a lot of pass catching running backs. Um, so having a linebacker who can excel in coverage is uh, is important. Or having uh, a bigger safety who who can do that. You don't necessarily have to have a, a linebacker. You can. You know, you can have maybe a safety that plays down in the box or, or a hybrid, you know, slot corner nickel safety uh, position that can do that. And I think there there are some uh, useful uh, guys there. Um, and, and that is, again, going to be something uh, we'll preview uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, just for like a best player available uh, scenario where the Giants dra- finally take a linebacker, uh, Josh Allen, linebacker from Kentucky, I he would solve a number of ales for the Giants defense. He is going to be one of the top edge rushers, depending on how you rank them. He'll be either number two or number three. I also believe that he can be a an excellent off-ball linebacker if the situation and scheme calls for it. He can play in space. He can play coverage. He can play downhill and run and he is really good at getting after the passer yeah yeah and he's uh, yeah he's someone who's going to be like a, a, a modern linebacker he was a great edge rusher we talked about him on our our edge 
preview podcast. Uh, he's someone I like a lot. I, I think he he should be used more as someone who can rush the passer because I do believe that is more valuable than a, a linebacker in coverage. But he's someone, yeah, who can do that when asked. He's definitely a name to watch. He could be around or when the Giants are drafting in the first round if they go that way. So... So we'll see, and and we will continue to dive into the linebacker position, though I'm not totally sure with Alec Ogletree's cap hit and his interception total, which uh, probably is going to play a bigger role in the Giants wanting to keep him around than than it should. So I'm not sure how big they'll look at actually an off-ball linebacker, but it's going to be the position we will get to. Um, so we will go to the last question here is from Lenny Cruz. It says, play GM, who'd you pick in the first three rounds? Um, so let's keep this to the first two rounds because, again, Sam Beal, third round pick. But, again, useful pick, which, which oh. I'm not uh, upset with. So, uh, Chris, I will let you go. You're, again, let's remember uh, we are very early in this process. So uh, our, who we say who would be our, our two picks right now probably will not be uh, who we are still thinking of uh, when we get to draft time in April. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to go on the preposition that the Giants will go hard after Daryl Williams. Uh, considering Dave Gettleman's history of signing line offensive linemen in free agency, I'm not exactly sure I'm comfortable with him spending money on the offensive line again. But I'm just going to go the preposition that that's what he does. That's where he goes. I will go with Josh Allen. I believe he's absolutely worth a top 10 draft pick. And like I just said, he would cure a whole lot of problems for the Giants defense. He would give them that pass rusher that they need just anywhere in the front seven. And also have the ability, depending on just depending on circumstance, to play as an off-ball linebacker and have an impact. Second round, I would actually go for possibly safety Juan Thornhill from Virginia. Free safety is a glaring need for the Giants, and he's one of the best coverage safeties out there, and he has the size and length that both the Giants and historically James Betcher like in defensive backs yeah i think we we both liked thornhill when when we talked about him on the on the safety show okay uh let's see i'm just going to stick with what i've been saying that there should be a quarterback so i'm just going to go dwayne haskins as the first pick uh because i i think they should absolutely look into quarterback that is a position that just needs to be upgraded for the future so i'm gonna go haskins in the second round i'm gonna say I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll stick with safety and I'll go with uh, Taylor Rapp. Um, he's a guy from Washington uh, that we both liked and kind of play that nickel role. He's a linebacker, so I think maybe he can he can slot in as as maybe maybe the the Tyron Matthew kind of role. You could also get Curtis Riley out of there. Um, we are coming. <laughs> Uh, we are coming uh, a day after I, I watched some of the All-22 from uh, the Giants and Colts game. Oh. Um, and you have not seen the gif that I posted of Curtis Riley trying to make a play on Marlon Mack's rushing touchdown. Um, Ooh. I, yeah. Oh, my God. The From the—I mean, I, I, I don't want to pick on Curtis Riley, but like, 
from this view, it literally looks like someone playing Madden for the first time. Uh, he just has a wide open lane and just like runs right past where the quarterback is handing off to the running back. It's amazing. Um, I've watched the game multiple times, but yeah, so safety, safety is a position that the Giants are definitely going to need to look at. And it's something where I don't think they can have uh, too many of them. There are going to be some, some good free safeties uh, available. Uh, so uh, Trey Boston was a guy who I thought the Giants should look at. He was someone who played a lot of, of the center field, like cover one safety as a single high. He only signed a one-year deal uh, in Arizona. So he is someone who can, who can play there. I think you can possibly get you know, someone like Trey Boston. You can put Rap next to him and then move Landon Collins up to the box and then play maybe you know one linebacker on the field, and then you have Collins as kind of that money backer role. I think I like that uh, position, the positional breakdown a little more than either having uh, two linebackers or or just having Curtis Riley, who was like the single high safety all the time this year. So I, I think that could be that could be an interesting way to align the defense next year, and I, I think that's something the Giants should look into. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't be opposed to them using something like a 3-3-5 alignment where they're basically in a base nickel package where one of their linebackers is a big safety, you know, like Landon Collins. Or, said before, they could trade one of those late-round picks for Dale Buchanan and just slot him back into the role where he had excelled. Yeah, that, that could be... I, I think him and Collins have a bit of an overlap. I'm not sure if that's the exact route I would go, but it's definitely interesting, and I think just adding more Arizona elements to this Giants defense is going to be... would be a good idea. So, But that's going to be uh, the conversation as, as we build around what the Giants could do in the offseason. Uh, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about that. So... I think that will be our episode for today. You can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Please rate and review. If you have not, we will be back on on Monday breaking down the last regular season game against the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, thank you guys for uh, thank you guys for listening. Have uh, a happy New Year because we will be coming back to you. Oh no, that's not right. We'll, we'll be coming back to you on New Year's Eve. So. Either way, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out. And if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. 
Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.